listening to Green State, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality, the agency responsible for restoring, maintaining, and enhancing the quality of Oregon's air, land, and water. Welcome to a bonus mini episode of Green State, a podcast from the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality. I'm Lauren Wordis. And I'm Dylan Darling. This complements our Where There's Smoke series, our first three shows. If you want to learn more about wildfire smoke and air quality in Oregon, please check them out. Now, some of the lasting images of this most recent wildfire season and smoke season in Oregon are of pyrocumulus clouds. The bootleg fire, which made national headlines due to its size, speed, and smoke production, resulted in photos of massive pyrocumulus clouds. To see a gallery of these fire clouds, as some people call them, go to dequblog.com greenstate. You'll find these photos from the Oregon Department of Forestry. You know, Lauren, pyrocumulus clouds, and gosh, the name is a mouthful, they're just one piece of meteorological vocabulary that we've heard when we talked with weather and wildfire smoke experts when we were working on this series. And here are some other examples of the words we heard. Pyrocumulonimbus cloud, firenados, plume-dominated fire. You'll learn about all these terms in this bonus episode, what they mean and how they connect to air quality. So pyrocumulus clouds. These photos are pretty wild to look at, and they look like what you might conjure in your mind if someone said big thundercloud or something like that. They're really tall, they're really poofy, but they're also kind of dark and ominous because they're combined with wildfire smoke. And so... They look as threatening as they are. Many people say they have a mushroom cloud look to them, which definitely can be alarming. What causes these eye-catching weather phenomena? We talked with Peter Brewer at DQ and Ryan Sandler with the National Weather Service. These are two of the voices in Green State's Where There's Smoke series. Here's Peter, the wildfire smoke response coordinator at DQ. It's a crazy scene. Incredible to see if you're happen to be in the air sometime, like I have been this year, and you see that going up 35,000, 40,000 feet. It's just one of those, your mouth just drops and you go, oh my, wow. It's so huge that there's nothing else out there other than this big cloud out on that horizon. Then you, you just get this knowledge that Something major is happening. <laughs> They're adding to air quality issues, maybe not unhealthy or unhealthy for sensitive groups, but they're worsening air quality. Oh, you know, 3,000 miles away. It's incredible. Ryan Sandlow is warning coordination meteorologist for the National Weather Service in Medford. Here's some of a conversation I had with him in late July 2021 when the massive bootleg fire east of Klamath Falls was drawing a lot of attention impact because of the huge fire clouds it was producing. The bootleg fire has burned more than 400,000 acres and 
As you noted, it's been a big smoke producer. It even at one point sent smoke as far away as the East Coast. There's some photos that came out of New York where you saw, you know, and it, it wasn't just the bootleg, but still a contributor to these Western files that sent smoke across the country. Remarkable images to see. Also remarkable are seeing the pyrocumulus clouds that will rise up above a file like the bootleg. What exactly are those clouds? And could you maybe describe them a little, like sure. give someone an image in their mind of what we're talking about. So most people know what cumulus clouds are, puffy white clouds. It's something very familiar to, you know, sometimes they look up at the cumulus clouds and they make animals out of them. It looks like a shape or some. <laughs> so most people are familiar with cumulus clouds. So in a fire, you have a large fire like the bootleg. You have a lot of heat generated. That heat produces an updraft. It causes the air to rise and rise more than it normally would. So on a day where you might have these little puffy white clouds around over that fire, you're going to have a big cumulus cloud and it's going to be dirty. It's going to be brownish, (laughs) have a lot of smoke in it, and it's going to be bigger than all the others. Because it not only has the heating of the sun on the ground, but it has all the heat from the fire helping it. It's something that's not uncommon in a large fire. What's more uncommon is a pyrocumulonimbus cloud. So if the heat and the atmosphere is conducive enough to produce a huge cloud, it will become a thunderhead and it will produce lightning and it might produce severe weather. That can happen. And those are spectacular pictures when you take the picture of those. But if you're on the ground with a pyrocumulus, you say you're on the periphery of the fire fighting it because you have such strong updraft, you could have a lot of wind coming into that fire from different directions. So it creates erratic, gusty winds. So it's really dangerous. Anybody fighting wildfires should have a basic knowledge that if they see a pyrocumulus cloud, that they better be aware of the wind shifting directions and getting stronger. And if they see a pyrocumulonimbus with lightning, that's even worse. So that that's kind of a safety issue for people around the, the fire. And these types of clouds can loft smoke into the lower stratosphere. It can go all the way up to 30,000 feet or beyond. And and then it gets into what we call the jet stream, where there's a kind of a ribbon of stronger winds. And those stronger winds can carry that smoke thousands of miles. That's how it can get to the East Coast. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things. These pyrocumulus clouds can produce fire nados. <laughs> that's, that's not the official word, but fire whirls can occur. And those are kind of like dust devils, but in a fire, they're generally weaker than a fire nado that's connected to the cloud. So that's the difference between a fire whirl and a fire nado. The fire nado is actually connected and spinning with the pyrocumulus cloud. So yeah, they're scary looking. They have this ominous dark look to them. The cloud does. And it's, it's just kind of scary. <laughs> when I've seen video of what you're talking about with the file NATOs and had just some remarkable footage of swirling flames just whipping around. And you think about, you know, dealing with wildfires, the threat of it spreading. And we've been talking about how dry vegetation might be. You get that type of weather that it, it, creating things like that. A phrase I often hear is that a fire has gotten so big, it's creating its own weather 
Oh, that file is creating its own weather. You've been talking about this, but what does it take for a file to get to that point that it is creating its own weather? Right. It really has to be a large fire. And (laughs) I'll throw out another fancy term. We call it a plume dominated fire. So think of a plume. It's that updraft, that strong updraft of air creating the cloud. And once you create that huge cloud, then that cloud might have a downdraft. When to produce that strong updraft, air has to come in from all sides to replace the air that's going up. And so you get wind basically changing direction that the, if that fire wasn't there, the wind would probably be very normal and the typical type of winds that would be occurring. But with the fire there, it's changed the humidity of the air, the, the wind, and it could cause weather. It could cause lightning. It could cause downdrafts or rain. It can even rain on uh, usually on a different side of the fire, but it could rain right right over the fire, which would be good, but you usually get a lot of lightning. So there, yeah, it, it creates its own weather, sort of like Mount Shasta creates its own weather, that big mountain sticking up in the air, the wind has to go around it. And it's a similar type thing with a fire that it, it, it's its own big object that the atmosphere has to go around. And when you get a plume driven fire, what might that mean for air quality? Are we going to see poor air quality as a result of that? It means that it's going to put out a lot of smoke. Now it depends. Is it in the forest? Is it in the cascades or is it near burns <laughs> where there's the fuels, the trees aren't as big. So it depends on where it's burning. But if, if it's in the cascades with huge trees burning, think of all the smoke you're going to get in the air. And yeah, it's, and it's going to loft that smoke up high and then it's going to send it downwind. And if a city happens to be downwind, you're going to get a lot of smoke. Depends on how close it is. If it's 100 miles away, that makes a big difference than if it's 10 or 20 miles away. Sometimes it's worse at night nearby because the air settles. So all that smoke that's in the air begins to fall and settle and comes down these canyons and drainages into the valleys where the people tend to live in the cities and in in the towns. And so sometimes the worst smoke is in the morning or late at night. And during the day, it kind of mixes out late in the afternoon. Great. I just ask because at DEQ, that's kind of our role when it comes to wildfire and and weather is just trying to figure out, well, what's this all going to mean for air quality? And do we need to put out an air quality advisory due to wildfire smoke? Right. Yeah. Plume dominated (laughs) and red flag warnings for uh, plume dominated fires is is a big hint that we're going to see a lot of smoke coming out. Great. Thank you for that. And thank you for just taking us through some of these terms. I think they're kind of getting into the common vernacular, but it's like, well, what does that actually mean? So this is a really fun tidbit of wildfire meteorological crossover to learn about. And we'll try and do some more of these little bonus episodes when things pique our interest. For now, if you want to know more about wildfire smoke and how it is increasingly affecting air quality in Oregon, check out our inaugural three-part series, Where There's Smoke. We divided the series into the past, present, and future of air quality in Oregon. Thank you, Lon. Please check out the series if you haven't already. And to find out more about Green State, go to dqblog.com slash green state. Thank you for listening to Green State, the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality's podcast. And thanks to all the voices who contributed to the conversation. Our music is by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get our upcoming episodes. You can listen pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Feel free to rate and review. And if you have any questions or ideas for topics for us to cover, you can reach us at 503-451-0585 or by email at green.state at oregon.gov. To find out more, go to dequblog.com slash greenstate.